Hello, hello, and welcome to Soccer Made in Portland on OregonLive.com and Stumptown Footy. My name is Chris Reifer, and joining me, as always, the Timbers and Thorns beat writer for the Oregonian and OregonLive.com, Jamie B. Goldberg. Jamie B., welcome back. How was your uh, your Thanksgiving? It was really good. I uh, went to visit my family in San Francisco, which was actually the first time I've been able to go back uh, to San Francisco for Thanksgiving since I, I think 2013. Oh. So it's been a, it's been a little bit. So it, it was nice seeing my extended family. Uh, we ate uh, a lot of food. Um, yeah, I don't think I, I mean, it's the one day of year, right? But I have not eaten that much food since probably last Thanksgiving and did not feel very well afterwards. But um it was fun seeing family and uh, for for the moment, at least, <laughs> gorging myself with food. Yeah, I sort of had uh, this, by the way, uh, was inspired. This little intro piece was inspired by a question from Newman uh, and, and also Timber's Field Report, both of whom wanted to know how our Thanksgivings were. Actually, a number of Thanksgiving related questions. So let's just hit them all. Uh, mine was good. Mine was an enjoyable sort of had like, you know, a multi-stage uh, Thanksgiving thing. Uh, from like the fiance's parents, uh, like early the, the week before, to to my folks the night before. My folks decided to go to the PK eighty basketball tournament rather than have Thanksgiving. Um, so so we had it the night before uh, on on Wednesday. Uh, that was fun. I like I'm sort of jealous of their decision. No, I'm not because uh, I also got to have fun on Thanksgiving. Uh, had like some friends over. I, I basically took over my mom's house because I have a little apartment, and so I took over my mom's house for Thanksgiving since she was going to watch basketball. Uh, and had a bunch of friends over, um, schooled Mike Donovan on uh, the proper use of the word dressing versus stuffing. Um, in the end, yeah, went to my uncle. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Sort of a four-stage Thanksgiving for me, uh, which was, yeah, as always, very enjoyable. Um, but oh, yeah, me, let's just move on. Uh, follow-up from Jonathan. Jonathan has a follow-up question here. Uh, what traditional Thanksgiving dish does Jamie Goldberg not like? Jamie? I feel like I am getting a reputation for not liking foods that everyone else likes or something. Um, I think that's correct. I think I've yes. brought up a few. Yeah, it's not not a good not a good reputation I've created on this podcast. But um, I guess I don't really like stuffing. Uh, I'm not really into gravy either. Uh, ne- neither of those things are are my favorite um, parts of Thanksgiving. Not into gravy or really. Uh, okay. Then I was, I was going to go there on the last bit, but since you brought it back up, do you not like stuffing or do you not like dressing? Do you know the difference? Well, I thought I did, but I'm a little bit, since you schooled Mike Donovan on this, I'm not really sure anymore. Yeah. He insists it's a regional difference, which it's not. It is really just a matter of correct or incorrect. In some regions, they're just more correct about this than others. Uh, dressing is cooked outside the bird. Stuffing, as the name implies, is cooked inside the bird. Uh, and so it is, it is like functionally the same dish, but one is, yeah, just prepared differently. Uh, and one is a little turkey, turkey-er. Uh, but yeah, so is, is that, is that the problem? Then you're like sort of grossed out by stuffing because stuffing, like part of the, the good thing about it is it, is it come brings with it sort of an inherent danger. And so there's also kind of a thrill of like, am I going to get food poisoning from this? Uh, whereas dressing is very safe. Uh, is, is that the issue or do you just not like it in general? No, I, I actually don't think I've ever been to Thanksgiving where the stuffing was, I, I guess, stuffing where it was actually inside the turkey. So, um, just because I, I, I think my family likes to v- avoid the uh, possibility of food poisoning. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't like dressing. Interesting and disappointing because I, I like it a lot. And actually, that's that's maybe my favorite thing to make. Uh, I have I do now do dressing more as a kid. I guess, you know, my family, we were just daredevils. Uh, and so we 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 did stuffing. You can if you sort of if you sort of have oven availability after the turkey comes out and you want to let it sit for a little while as you should uh, before you carve it. Uh, you can sort of pull the the stuffing out and then sort of rebake it a little bit more uh, to, you know, kill off any, any germs that may remain uh, any bacteria that may remain in there. But you know, I mean, what's the fun in that? Right. Uh, but yeah, these days, you know, I'm a little bit more risk averse. And so we go with the dressing. Um, but yeah, I, I like all of those things as, as far as a traditional dish. I don't like, I mean, I love Thanksgiving food. Just like it is my favorite holiday for that reason, because I just love, love, love Thanksgiving food. I will, you know, I, I don't like anything that's like super 
Yeah, I don't like as much, I should say, anything that's like super duper duper rich. And so if you're getting like these really like sort of creamy, saucy casseroles or something like that, this is getting into our next question. Uh, or, uh, you know, a, 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 if you have something like even like the, the yams with marshmallows and it's like, that's excessive. Come on now. Uh, and so those are, you know, not necessarily my favorites, but I still eat them and I still eat them relatively happily, happily. So it's not like I don't I dislike them. They're just not my favorites. Uh, Eric, the follow up to the follow up wants to know green bean casserole. Or green beans with bacon and or since you're not a bacon eater, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, green beans with, you know, just sort of not in casserole form, in regular form with other accoutrement. Yeah. I just generally do the traditional green beans. It's like my one vegetable uh, unless um, unless I make the Brussels sprouts every so often. But it's like the one vegetable that we have for Thanksgiving. And it's just you are You are, you are beans. Jamie B.S. Goldberg, you know. <laughs> Yes, I, I guess. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie um, Brussels Sprouts Goldberg. This is a, a long-standing nickname of yours. Yep. I feel like there are a few, but yes, <laughs> I, I guess that is one of them. Jamie um, but yeah, Goldberg. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm just green beans by themselves are, are pretty good to me. Yeah, I, I, I definitely go with the green beans with, you know, bacon or other things uh, option rather than the casserole. Uh, I also just sort of enjoy like, you know, sometimes you'll see green beans with like sort of almonds uh, and that kind of stuff. I, I, I think it's all good. I like green beans just sort of as they are. Um, not my favorite Thanksgiving vegetable. That definitely goes to Brussels sprouts as well. I agree with you, even if you get the nickname and I do not. Um, okay. I guess we have some business to discuss. So let's discuss some business. Uh, Caleb Porter, no longer the Timbers coach. Wow, that's a little bit of business uh, and one that I don't think we necessarily (laughs) expected to discuss on the first sort of like full-on postseason podcast or off-season podcast. Uh, Let's just start here. When you heard the news on that fateful Thursday evening, how shocked were you? Did you see this coming at all? Yeah, I was was just unbelievably shocked. I I just did not see this coming. I, I was not prepared for it. I was having... I think I was eating dinner or something um, and I was not really thinking about work in that one moment because it was the off season and I didn't expect any massive news coming Thursday night. Um, and it was, yeah, I, I don't think anyone saw this coming really. I, I mean, after the tenure that Caleb Porter had in Portland after this season, which was overall successful despite the early exit in the playoffs, uh, there was no real indication uh, there's no indication that he had another job lined up. So there's no real indication that he would be leaving. And um, I, I think any, for anyone, both fans and, and people that follow the team and are, are closely uh, paying attention to all the rumors that could be going around, um, this was completely unexpected. Yeah, totally shocked. I, I, I saw a text maybe three minutes before, two minutes before, uh, the story dropped and I was in and it, it just said like Porter out. And I was just like, what? Like, what, what are you? What? What? Th- this is possible. This is <laughs> what are you even talking about? Like, I was confused by the relatively simple, like <laughs> straightforward statement because I like I, I just couldn't. I was so shocked by it. I was just like, that can't be right. Must be like some, somebody screwing around. I what is this? Um. And so, yeah, I was like on a scale of one to 10, I was like a 14 on the shock scale, uh, totally blindsided by this. Uh, no indication from anybody, uh, or from anywhere that this was coming up and that, yeah. Uh, so totally, totally, completely shocked, uh, is where I was. I too was like, you know, eating dinner, watching TV, enjoying a nice quiet Thursday evening. And then that was blown to, to bits and, and that's, yeah. That's about how it goes. A uh, question from Yanks in Portland. Who wants to know more surprising to you? Valeri, Diego Valeri's MVP season or Caleb Porter's sudden departure? I think for me, this is an absolute no-brainer. Yeah, uh, definitely Porter's departure. I, I mean, Diego Valeri has had uh, not seasons up to this level, but he's shown that he can score goals and, and get assists in this league. And he's consistently been within if not an MVP finalist type player this year, but within that conversation within the all-star team, one of the better players in the league, he's always in that conversation. So the fact that he had 
a significantly better season, but still building off the player he already has shown he can be is, is not nearly as surprising to me as uh, Caleb Porter suddenly departing after a successful uh, first place finish in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, Diego Valeri has done what he's done for, for four or five years. He probably should have been in MVP discussions before and, and probably was somehow even a little bit underrated still. Uh, clearly, that's not still the case because I, we, the premise of the question is assuming, as I am assuming, as I think you're assuming, that, that next week Diego Valeri is going to be crowned uh, MLS MVP. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, I mean, the, the, the context in which that comes it makes an awful lot of sense. He should have been the a guy that was on sort of the, the preseason predict, uh, predictions list. He should have been sort of a recurring figure on preseason MVP, you know, predictions lists basically since he since after he showed up. So starting in 2014, you know, pro- people probably should have been saying Diego Valeri is a contender to be MVP this year because he's just that good. He's been one of the best players in the league over the last five years now that he's been uh, in, in Portland. And so that was, you know, I mean, it, it was, I you know, I, I wouldn't say it was like likely or a foregone conclusion that he was going to have an MVP caliber season uh, this year by any means. Uh, but it was certainly within the realm of possibility. And, and, and he did it. Uh, Caleb leaving after a, as you put it, a good season, uh, a season in, in, in which they finished atop the Western Conference table uh, and, and, and really having been doing that despite a quite a lot of adversity, uh, you know, sort of just up and leaving after that. Yeah, that's a that was a huge shock. As I said, 14 out of 10. So uh, I think that one's a no-brainer. By far, Caleb Porter uh, leaving the Timbers. So uh, the the question that I think has been going around a lot, not only on Twitter, but also sort of uh, among the the pundit class, if you will, uh, has been why this happened. I, I mean, it, not only did he leave sort of abruptly, but there really hasn't been a lot of explanation, either from the Timber side or from Porter's side, about why this move was made seemingly out of the blue. What do you think, Jamie? I mean, well, what what is is your feeling, your read of the tea leaves, your consideration of factors uh, as to why this ultimately happened? I think this is something that we might never fully know the answer to. I mean, Porter has made the decision to leave it as uh, the statement that he released uh, afterwards. He hasn't spoken to anyone. Uh, I think he's probably been uh, called or texted by like every media member in Portland by now. Um, but he's he's made the decision to leave it with just the statement that he released uh, through the club and the club also ha- has left it at, at their statement as well. So I think we're never fully going to know what exactly went on behind the scenes that led to Porter making this decision at this point. Five years is a long time to be with a club in MLS. I, Caleb Porter was the third longest tenured coach in MLS. Maybe he felt that this was the point he wanted to move on. There's been some discussion about how the Timbers front office operates in terms of the responsibilities given to a coach versus other uh other front offices in MLS. Obviously they we know that there's other uh teams throughout the league that have hired their coaches both a GM or both a technical director and coach and maybe the coach has a little bit more power. Maybe there was some discussion about have limited power or um those dynamics. Uh but all that is speculation. We we really don't know what exactly went on that, that led to this. Uh, just that Porter made the decision after five years that he was ready to move on. And the underlying factors are something that I, I think is going to remain speculation. It It is definitely a lot of speculation on many fronts that is, that is going on. And it, it's because it is so mysterious. It's so, you know, it, it sort of is w- w- what it is, and we don't have a ton more on it. There are a couple things that, that I just want to point out, because I, and I think you named a number of the things that sort of seem, that certainly seem plausible, sort of on a just sort of rational level. Uh, you know, the your, your point about five years, wanting to move on, having a relatively high stock at the moment, uh, seeing that it's a, a a a good time to sort of sort of move on to the next thing, I I think those are all things that, frankly, I would guess were part of the decision. Um, it wouldn't shock me at all uh, if if Porter said that he wanted to go find some place where he had a bigger role or something like that. I I think that's plausible. Uh, I even think it's plausible on some level uh, that they're you know I don't even know if tension is, is the right word, but that Porter wanted a, a, a you know because. 
it's clear there, so I'll, I'll frame this in in the sort of the opposite direction because I don't find it plausible that this was sort of a I can't work under these conditions I hate you all kind of situation uh, because if it was that there have been a lot of off ramps between 2013 and now when Porter could have said, yeah, I'm going to leave for this other job. See you guys later. Uh, he certainly could have done so after 2013 when his coaching stock was as high as any other in MLS after winning MLS coach of the year, 2015, he won MLS cup. He absolutely could have bolted at that point. What did he do? He signed a contract extension. Uh, you know, even 2016, we, even though it was a disappointing season, we know, and it's been widely reported that he the, the, the LA galaxy, itself a very very good mls job less so now than than before but certainly at the time uh they, they were they were interested in caleb porter this has been reported uh, all over the place and so there have been a lot of off ramps such that if it was something where where porter sort of found the working conditions either because of the people or or the distribution of power or whatnot intolerable in portland he could have easily taken and that would have been the end of that uh, and, and that would have been that. So I, I definitely, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense when you look at the whole picture, but if you told me that he was looking for, you know, a, a different front office setup, if you told me he was looking for a, a little bit more power, uh, you know, and, and that came out, that wouldn't, I mean, that seems plausible to me as, as plausible as anything else. And so, you know, I mean, it, it's, I think you, you sort of have to look at all those things, but yeah, I mean, we're guessing, right? We're sort of, we are very, very much reading the tea leaves. And frankly, we're reading the tea leaves with not a lot of sort of reliable indicators to go on. Uh, so I, I fundamentally agree with you. This is probably something that we're not going to get uh, a whole lot of explanation on uh, going forward, which is certainly dissatisfying. Uh, when something like this happens, you want to know why uh, you want to know what, what led to this, but yeah, I agree. I'm I'm not sure we're going to. Uh, so here's the question from everybody, and I mean basically everybody. Uh, what criteria are the Timbers looking at when they're deciding who uh, to hire to replace Caleb Porter, and who do you think they're gonna they're considering, and what is your prediction for who they're gonna hire? Yeah, I, I think we learned a bit about that today with, with the Timbers finally holding a press call uh, to discuss some of these issues and the process going forward. It sounds like they are still actively interviewing candidates. They haven't decided on a short list just yet. They're, they're still going out. They're still trying to identify uh, different potential candidates. And so I, the process, it sounds like it's just in the very beginning they did indicate, and this was a little bit of a surprise to me, but they did indicate they're looking at both American uh, or, or candidates that are in the United States, but also potentially uh, foreign candidates, international candidates as well. The one major criteria that, that Merritt Paulson was clear about was that they want a coach that has either MLS experience or knowledge of MLS. So it, it's a little bit broad, but they don't want someone that's going to be coming in completely new to this league, completely new to the format, completely new to the players. They want someone that can come in, have an idea of who the Timbers players are already and, and kind of hit the ground running in, in preseason and not have too much of that learning curve. So, some of the other criteria they were talking about they want a bilingual coach. They talked about that multiple times today. It didn't sound like that would necessarily be a deciding factor, but it does sound like something that they would like to have if they can. They also said they would like to potentially have a coach that is coached in different countries um, as, a, as another possible criteria. And, and they also mentioned that they want to maintain the same philosophy and style of play. So, so the new coach coming in, it doesn't sound like they're going to look for a coach that has a vastly different philosophy than what Caleb Porter had and uh, brought to the club over the last five years. I, I think that, as I said, the Timbers don't have their short list yet. So looking at any sort of candidates is probably a little bit premature, but I, I think there have been some names thrown out there. Uh, I think Mark Dos Santos's name has come up and the Timbers have said they're going to be looking at the lower divisions as well as college level to potentially look at their candidates. Gio Savarese um, at, uh, at yeah. New York Cosmos is another one that, that would fit that, that bill of being a lower division. Yeah, uh, that was someone else who was going to mention. I, obviously, at the MLS level, I think um, Greg Berhalter's name has come up a, a lot already if, if they were to go out and poach a coach at this level. Um, but I think there's a lot of other names that haven't really been explored yet that are probably in consideration, particularly since it sounds like that they're looking 
at least potentially to the at an international or, or foreign coach, uh, which is something that I think given the short turnaround and given the need to have someone that may maybe has experience with MLS was not something I was thinking about before this call today. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I agree that I was a little bit, maybe only marginally surprised by the that sort of reference. Frankly, though, I mean, when you sort of walked through, when I sort of, you know, recapped uh, as I was writing down the, the various factories that they were mentioning, it sounds pretty open. <laughs> Um, and, and, and so, uh, you know, I didn't put a ton of stock in, 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 in much of that just because, I mean, it, it sounds like what you would expect them to say at this point, which is to keep their options open, uh, because they don't want to say something. They don't want to say, we are absolutely looking for a coach with, that has to have ABC, XYZ credentials. And then they hire somebody and you're like, well, those, that guy doesn't have a lot of your, 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 your qualifications. What's up? And then it looks like they had to settle for somebody. Uh, so, you know, I, I think they were pretty broad, uh, with respect to, to those. I mean, the, the, the criteria that you looked at are, are exactly, uh, the, the ones that they said, and, and, and frankly, more or less what I expected them, uh, to say in, in that regard. As to who they're considering, you certainly rattled off a number of the, 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 the names that have been out there that I think are, are about right. And that are the names you would expect, uh, to be out there. Uh, the one that, that was interesting as they seemed, I, I think it was Merritt uh, today that said they're not considering any assistant coaches. Uh, one of the names that's been sort of bandied about by a number of folks is, is Robin Frazier, an assistant coach at TFC. He certainly makes a ton of sense. He, he is a former uh, MLS head coach. So maybe he's sort of, he get, you know, kind of gets kicked out of the assistant coach category. Uh, but he's a former uh, head coach is, uh, is very well respected uh, and, uh, you know, everybody's been saying he is due for another shot uh, at being a head coach in MLS. He previously uh, had coached Chivas, which, you know, was probably just beyond repair. Uh, and, and, and you know, maybe that's an indication he's not being considered. Uh, maybe he's not interested. Maybe that's too much to read <laughs> into what was sort of an aside. So, you know, who knows about that? The name that for me just just sits front and center and, and that just seems too obvious not to be a leading candidate is Greg Berhalter uh, at Columbus. They just lost. Uh, they were just knocked out of the Eastern Conference final. Something, by the way, and this is kind of mean given everything else that's going on in Columbus. Something, by the way, that certainly would help the Timbers uh, in in trying to to talk to him to see if he's interested uh, and potentially to interview and to hire him. Uh, so you know, I mean, that's that that is certainly a factor. But in, in, you know, as you sort of walked down the, the, those criteria, he checks basically every box. I have no, I actually don't know if he's bilingual or not, uh, but he has coached elsewhere. He is obviously very familiar with MLS. Uh, he's uh, a winner. Uh, he, he has won. He employs a system that is not totally different from what the Timbers have done. And it is certainly sort of hits the criteria of being proactive you know, that sort of 4 2 3 one, four, three, three kind of stuff. Uh, he's shown a little bit more flexibility and a little bit more willingness to go to three at the back. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, you go down those criteria and he basically ticks every single box. And so, frankly, if he's available, if he's if he's willing and interested uh, and, and they can reach agreement, I think that is that would be an almost no-brainer hire, frankly, if I were the Timbers. If, if I was for some godforsaken reason, uh, running the, the Timbers, uh, the Timbers coaching search, uh, that would be a name atop my list. And if he said, I am interested, I would say tremendous. Welcome to Portland. Um, so we'll see if, if it turns out that way. There are a ton of ifs uh, embedded in that. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, we'll see if that's really a possibility, but if it is, I, that would not shock me in the slightest. And I would say that is a home run, uh, of a hire for the Timbers. The, the, you know, Merritt was, I will say, effusive uh, about the interest that, they, that they've received uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks in, in, this coaching, in this coaching search. So they seem to be happy with their candidates. Uh, I would be, sh- again, I would be shocked if they said anything else. Uh, but yeah, for what that's worth. Um, other bits from that press conference that we had today, uh, looks like there's going to be a little bit of a medical and sports science staff overhaul. This is something we've been talking about a lot over the last half of the season. Jamie, what did we find out about that today? Yeah, they, uh, 
I asked Gavin about it and he said that they are going to be hiring a new trainer, head trainer, which isn't, I don't think that's shocking because it was sort of an interim decision. Uh, they moved up the T2 head trainer uh, when Nick Wald resigned earlier this season. So that one wasn't so shocking. Um, but they also said they were going to be evaluating the entire uh sports science staff and training staff and also hiring an in-house, I think, um, physical therapist is what they said, um, to work with the team. That's something they haven't had before. Uh, so that's going to be an addition. Obviously they've had access, um, to, to that, that kind of services in the past, but they're going to have an in-house, uh, physical therapist. And, um, I, I think they were just talking about more that they could potentially do to just streamline, um, and just, reevaluate their both sports science and medical and training uh, departments. Yeah. On, on some level, this is not super surprising. This is something we've been talking about uh, for a while. And and this is basically Gavin saying, yes, we are doing the thing that everybody knew that we were going to do. Uh, and, and, you, you know, Caleb had even hinted about it uh, with a couple of weeks left, left in the season that they were going to be doing something like that. So not a huge shock, but I mean, you know, to the extent there's any, you know, concerned about whether they they have identified this issue. I think today put that to bed. Uh, they have identified it. They are taking it seriously. They are uh, going to be making some changes uh, over the course of the offseason. Um, other offseason priorities, specifically ones on the field. Gavin went into that as well. Uh, what are, are the Timbers looking at as far as player acquisitions over the course of the winter uh, to, to help reinforce the team? I think... Overall, there was there wasn't a ton of surprise. May, maybe in one position, they are looking to add another attacking player, uh, which seems like an area of the field we haven't talked about too much. Uh, they want to add a proven international attacking player that brings something different than what they already have—a a guy that can play in multiple positions. Gavin did not specifically say which positions, but multiple attacking positions uh, and can bring something different than what the Timbers already have on the roster. I, I think of the priorities he mentioned that was probably the biggest surprise uh just because it's not something we've immediately talked about um previously but they also said they want to bring in a younger central defender and a younger defensive midfielder um they want players not just young players that aren't going to see minutes but they want players that could potentially start see minutes contribute next season and and grow with the team over time I, i think that makes a lot of sense based on what we've been talking about for a while they want a succession plan for diego chara and they need a succession plan for Liam Ridgewell uh, at center back and the possibility that he might not be on the field uh, all that often if he comes back, that is. And if he doesn't, they obviously need another center back uh, just to come move more immediately into a starting role. Yeah, you know, the, I mean, as he was talking about it, it's basically exactly what you and I talked about in our last episode, with the exception of that versatile attacking player, uh, which I have an entire... I mean, to some extent, I don't know what to make of that just yet. Uh, I mean, I I can see a justification for saying we want to get another piece. Basically, if Dyron Espria off the bench is going to be sort of our, you know, punch him in the mouth kind of uh, go direct at them kind of kind of attacking option. We want another option that's going to be a little bit more like a Sebastian Blanco or Darlington Nagby. So I could see that being kind of a you know, quality death piece, maybe a, a Gaston Fernandez type or something like that, uh, that can step into that situation. I could also maybe see that pretending some, some potential changes, uh, in, in, in the, in the starting lineup. And, and that could be, you know, who knows, uh, but that could be somebody who they're bringing in maybe to, as, uh, somebody who's going to be a succession plan for Diego Valeri. That's something that we're going to have to be considering at some point, even if I don't think it's necessarily immediate. Uh, it could be, you know, they could be thinking about making some changes in the starting lineup, potentially. Uh, finally, the Twitter calls of uh, of moving Darlington Nagby ha, 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 are, are going to be answered uh, or something like that. This is totally me speculating, uh, by the way. But, you know, I mean, you could see that sort of having its tentacles in a number of different things, some that may be sort of obvious, others that may be a little bit more dramatic. And so that got me thinking about those questions uh, more than I would say I, I was before. So I was a little bit surprised by that. Uh, we'll talk through and think through uh, what and, you know, ultimately discover uh, what that could ultimately be uh, as we go along in the offseason. But, you know, you know, it also makes sense if there really is going to be this this sort of wave of targeted allocation money that's been 
discussed and that's been reported uh, to the tune of about $2 million uh, in TAM coming available this offseason, you, you could definitely see the Timbers making sort of a, a luxury kind of move uh, with some of that money. That, that would make some sense. Yeah, and Gavin Wilkinson did say today he didn't confirm anything about the influx of TAM, but when asked about that, he he did say that he thinks they'll have more flexibility from what, what he's heard, something along those lines. He, he wouldn't confirm anything, but he, he kind of indicated that there was something coming. Yeah, it was it was very much kind of the chuckling non-confirmation, right? It's like the, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to confirm that <laughs> uh, sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody's that shocked by that anymore. Uh, it's been talked about now for a couple of months uh, since I think Paul Tenorio at 442 was the first to report it. Uh, but, but certainly others ha- have jumped in on that as well. Uh, and so, yeah, if they if that, in fact, is going to come and everything indicates it's going to come. You could you could see the Timbers doing that, uh, and and even if they're not necessarily gonna gonna move anybody out uh, on that front line. Okay, uh, what are we on to now? Yes, oh, they're not even looking forward with prospective uh, roster moves. We already have some. We we have some real life already happened roster moves, and and the folks that are gonna be going out, uh, or at least are gonna be changing their contract status with the Timbers is probably a more precise is definitely a more precise way to put it. Uh, Darren Maddox, Bill Tuiloma, and, and Amobi Okugo, all three of which uh, had their options declined uh, over the course of, uh, I believe that was on Monday when that came out. Uh, and so now there are questions uh, about uh, about will all of those guys return, so let's take them one at a time. Darren Maddox, his option was declined. This was It was originally reported as, as though it was exercised, and then it was said to be declined. Uh, later, there was a correction issued. What do you think? I mean, will Maddox return? Or is this a, a situation where they're likely to sign him to a new contract? Uh, or is Maddox on, on his way out? Yeah, I, I think it said in the release that they're negotiating a new contract with him. I, I think his salary cap hit was just too much for them to uh, exercise that contract option. I don't think there's many teams in the league that want to take on the salary cap hit that Darren Maddox um, what's going to have for next year. So I think it is quite possible that they'll be able to negotiate a contract for a less amount of money to bring it back. Yeah. As, as I reported in my story on, on this, uh, my understanding is it, is it probably is likely that he's going to return. Uh, and it's basically for that reason, you know, I, it, if, if, if his option had, you know, carried with it a significant raise as they frequently do, as these options very frequently do, uh, I would not expect that there would be a whole lot of teams that would be super interested in taking him, for example, at stage one of the re-entry draft. Uh, and, and so short of that, it does make sense. And, and, and it certainly seems likely that they may be able to reach a deal uh, at, at some point to keep in Portland. It sounds like the Timbers are interested in, in doing so. Uh, and yeah, the, that's that. Now, you know, I mean, Darren Maddox last year made around $300,000 and his cap hit was in the ballpark of $300,000 is base compensation, I think, was like 316 or something like that. Uh, and, you know, I mean, that is not cheap, but it's also not like a crazy amount of money to be giving to your, you know, fifth or sixth attacking player, depending on on how you sort of sort it out, your second striker uh, or whatever you will. I mean, when you have an effective cap for 20 players of about $6 million, when you add in all the TAM and the JAM and, and, and all of that business, uh, you, you know, I mean, that, that's not an insane amount of money. And so if they can get something along those lines, it wouldn't surprise me at all uh, if Maddox does come back uh, and, and maybe does that. I'm not sure I'm super wild about that. <laughs> uh, I, I think I it is in many respects kind of a conservative move to make sure the Timbers have cover at the nine spot uh, and and to make sure that the Timbers have a good backup nine in the instance that uh, Jeremy Obobese doesn't take another step forward next year. Um, so, you know, in that respect, it's, it's sort of the safe play. Uh, but you know, I mean, I, I also think that, that if you have that guy, it's going to be awfully tempting to play him over Obobese. And the reality is with young players like Jeremy Obobese, if you're not put, you know, if, if you're going to wait until he is clearly better than his competition for that spot, he probably never will be because he probably won't get the, get the playing time that he needs in order to do, to develop into the player that he can be. Uh, and so, you know, that, that does raise a concern for me. Uh, that said, 
if they get Maddox signed to a, you know, to a reasonable contract, as I'm sure they're trying to do, I think he would be a viable trading chip. He, the reality is he was, especially later in the, as, as the season went along, he was an asset for the Timbers. He, he, he was pretty good for the Timbers. And there are a lot of teams uh, that would look at that, especially a team maybe whose, whose forward goes down with an injury early in the season that would say, we need a guy. The Timbers have Darren Maddox. He's not on a ridiculous contract and he can do the job as he did for them late in the season last year. And so maybe he he then becomes a little bit of a trading piece uh, if Obviously does come into camp and, and look good. So we'll see. You can see how the rationale works out for that. Um, I'm a little bit ambivalent about it, but hey, that's how it goes. Uh, Bill Tuilama, his option was declined. Uh, what is your feeling about that? And Gavin Wilkinson gave a huge hint <laughs> about this uh, in today's press conference. Uh, but Jamie, what what is your inclination about whether Tuilama is going to return to the Timbers? Yeah, I, I was going to point that out as well. Uh, Gavin Wilkinson, in, in describing the defensive midfielders that the Timbers had uh, mentioned, uh, Viltaloma by name. So I, it sounds like he has him penciled in to be on the roster and they, that I think the plan was that they were in discussions to try to bring him back. And, uh, I would expect so just based on how Gavin was talking today. Apparently those discussions have been quite amicable. Uh, <laughs> Okuga, what do you think? Yeah, and I don't think so. There was no indication that they're in discussions with him. They said that he would enter, um, I believe I'm trying to remember which one he would enter, but I think it was the re-entry draft. Um, but it did not indicate that he would be coming back. You know, and, and the reason for this is, is it may not even necessarily be all that much of an indictment of Okuga, who I think everybody would, would agree has been solid uh, defensive midfield and center back depth for the Timbers. He's not a guy that you want to play 15 games a year. Uh, but if you got to play him five games a year, you're not, you know, scandalized by that. Uh, you know, and, and I don't think anybody would, would, you know, besmirch his time that he spent in Portland. But if you remember back last spring, Jeff Carlisle had, uh, sort of an, an interesting string of tweets where he was talking about, there was kind of a complex formulation. Uh, I think it, it was probably even last January earlier, uh, the, uh, at the league where they were trying to figure out who between the Timbers, Sporting Kansas City and Orlando City sort of had responsibility for for his contract uh, and, and for his salary cap hit because Okuo has been making a good amount of money, I think from a contract that he signed when he went to Orlando City from Philadelphia Union where he had a really successful uh, early career. And and the, the implication has been from, from Carlisle's string of tweets is that the Timbers were not carrying as a cap hit a whole lot of that money. It is perfectly conceivable that if they picked up that option, they would be. Uh, that then they would be responsible for uh, a, a lot or maybe even all. And so as a result, the Timbers may not have really been able to uh, pick up Okugo's option. But yeah, I mean, if they do have a Tuiloma who it seems they like, uh, you know, a Lawrence Olam in, in that spot to provide some cover, uh, you know, maybe they're, they're saying uh, that, that, that they're comfortable going forward with that depth uh, at that defensive mid, mid position and are relatively and are ready to separate from Okuga. The other guy that, that is on his own now and is going to be entering MLS free agency uh, is Ben Zemanski, who has been just absolutely riddled with injuries since uh, since 2014 and 2015 uh, and really has never made a, a full and consistent recovery uh, from that. Disappointing because it looked like for a while he might actually have a chance to, uh, to sort of elbow his way into a, a pretty consistent role with the Timbers and make a nice little career out of it. Uh, but injuries certainly derailed that and, well, I guess that was that. Uh, so the Timbers have somewhere right now between 24 and 26 uh, roster spots taken. Uh, that all sort of depends on how it goes with Tui Loma and Maddox and those kinds of things. That seems like a lot, right? I mean, you know, you look around other teams and they have between, you know, 13, I think, on the low end and, and, and you know, 18 or 19 uh, roster spots taken up heading into the offseason. So the Timbers have a lot. Uh, they have a pretty full roster heading into this winter. What do you think the big decisions are uh, that the Timbers are facing going into the winter and, and how they're going to sort of manage this? Yeah, I mean, it's not surprising that they have that many taken up at this point. It's not like they picked up a bunch of options and you're you're wondering why they picked up some of those options. They had a lot of players under contract. So that's just how it is uh, from what, the perspective of what they were going to announce up to this point. It does not mean that all those players will be on the roster heading into next season. I think the 
big one is Liam Ridgewell. We've talked about that. I, I think with the addition of, of the influx of Tam and more potential money coming in to to the league and a little bit more flexibility, I think it's more and more likely that the Timbers might keep Liam Ridgewell, but that is isn't something that they're going to have to decide in the offseason. They're also going to have to make a decision uh, about their goalkeeping situation. If they do have more flexibility, maybe they decide to go after a goalkeeper. That's not something Gavin Wilkinson mentioned today, but depending on what flexibility they have, I, I think it's a luxury position they might consider, in which case I maybe they don't bring both Jake Gleason and Nadanella back. Uh, so, so I think there's a number of decisions that are still going to happen um, with the players on the roster right now. I, I think another one, Chance Myers is still on the roster. I, I do not expect him to be on the roster next season. Uh, after the season he had, I, I just don't see them bringing it back. So they're going to have to sort that out as well. Uh, so they're definitely, and Renico Clark as well. I'm trying to think of all the, all the potential players, but there's a number of players at the end of that roster uh, that clearly uh, Clark and Myers are, are not going to be back next season. And I think the Timbers are just um, going to have to find ways to part with those players. Yeah, I reported in in that same uh, after you know announcement piece uh, that Renico Clark and the Timbers will be parting ways uh, over the course uh, sometime over the course of this offseason. season. Uh, Benga Arroyo is another big one uh, where you would imagine that he is likely not going to be uh, a Timber next year, and, and that certainly has some tentacles into the the Ridgewell situation as well because they play the same position. The Timbers do need to find. Uh, some cover not only for those guys, but for Roy Miller, who we found out is under contract. And it seems likely, therefore, uh, that the Timbers are going to put him on the season-ending injury list and, and, and obtain uh, another roster spot uh, and potentially even some cap space as well uh, using that mechanism while keeping Miller in town uh, and connected with the club. So, yeah, I, I think the the reality is there are an awful lot of big decisions. You know, I, as you noted, from, from Myers to Clark to Arakoyo to Ridgewell, uh, to how they manage the the Miller situation uh, that the, the Timbers are going to have to to sort out. So this is not going to be, I mean, you know, even the, all the Porter stuff aside, this wasn't a routine off season uh, for, for the technical staff, Gra- Gavin Wilkinson, Ned Grabovoy uh, and company. Now they have the added complexity uh, of not having their coach to help out with that. Uh, and also having to find a coach, uh, which is in and of itself a big job. So, you know, it, it, there's a lot left to go on with this roster. I, I think this is not going to be an offseason where you can sort of shut it down, you know, open up Twitter back in March and say, what's going on with the team? Okay, let's get ready to go. No, this is one where you're going to have to be, you know, pretty dialed in the entire time. A uh, question from Nick. Should we be excited or concerned about any of the mini drafts, the expansion draft, the re-enter draft, the waiver draft uh, that are about to take place in MLS? All of those are sort of queued up. Uh, in early and mid-December before the holidays, so we sort of get that all out of the way. Uh, is there anything that you're particularly concerned or excited about for the Timbers going into any of those? I, I'm not particularly excited about any of them. It very, It's not very often where you find a big player off any of these drafts. Uh, I think the Timbers have. Uh, I think they got, well, I think they got Zakawani off one of these drafts uh, in a few years back. And sort of a, a trade that has ten, that had tentacles into the reentry draft yeah. is how they got Jorge Viafania, that same deal. Yeah, it's uh, it, so yeah, so the, a roundabout way of um, them bringing in Jorge Viafania. Uh, but outside of that, you haven't seen much movement from the Timbers in those kind of uh, drafts. So I'm not particularly excited. They might pull something out of their hat during one of those. We don't know. In terms of the expansion draft, that's always a little bit worrisome. Uh, we don't know if the Timbers are going to end up losing a player through that. So that's one I go in with a little bit more concern. Uh, but I'm not I, I'm not sure if it's an obvious player that the Timbers were, are going to absolutely lose in, in the expansion draft. But I, I do think that is, uh, you have to have a little bit of concern for that. You know, in the expansion draft in recent years has become... I should say this way. The expansion teams have used that draft in recent years as opportunities to build up depth more than anything. Uh, and so the, the guys I, I think you're most concerned about in those kinds of things are, you know, the Zarek Valentines of the world. The guys that, that maybe can provide depth at a couple spots are pretty good, are relatively cheap. Those are the guys that, that you could see uh, getting getting taken uh, in, in a draft like that. Maybe, you know, we, I'm spitballing here, a Lawrence Olam. 
uh, or, or something like that, or the kinds of guys that you see go in those drafts, Jeff Adanella uh, or Jake Gleason, whoever, whichever of them is unprotected, certainly seem like possibilities uh, in, in, in that kind of a draft. But, you know, anymore these days, it is pretty rare for kind of a game-breaking expansion draft uh, selection to be taken and a team to really feel uh, to feel exposed from it. So I'm not super worried about that. We did find out today, by the way, uh, this is a, a little bit of an interesting Timbers tidbit on, on that, that Jeremy Obobese, even though he's he was not technically Generation Adidas for a couple different reasons, he'd already turned pro uh, as a result of, of playing in USL after going to uh, to, to Duke. Uh, and, and in addition, he had he was also a Nike athlete, not an, an Adidas athlete. He wasn't technically quote unquote generation Adidas. So there was a little bit, he was basically for all intents and purposes, generation Adidas. Like we found out that another one of those purposes uh, is going to be the expansion draft. So the Timbers will not have to protect him. He's going to be exempt from the expansion draft along with Marco Farfan. Uh, they will, they will not be eligible for selection. The Timbers will be able to keep both of those guys. So that's good news. Uh, and then, you know, as far as how it plays out, we'll see, but it's not something that you lose a, a huge ton of sleep over these days. And you're spot on about the other drafts. Uh, those are teams primarily shopping for depth pieces, uh, that come through the re the reentry draft that come through the waiver draft. Although that is often nothing at all. Uh, and, and eventually into free agency as well. But again, I don't, in scouring sort of the field uh, of those acquisition mechanisms, I don't see any sort of major Timbers targets that could come out of them. Maybe you'll see the Timbers uh, pick up a guy that, that'll help fill out the depth chart, but it won't be more than that. Um, oh, yeah. We got a kit tease uh, from the old Tim- at Timbers FC account, and it is white. It appears uh, the the 2018 secondary kit taking over for the red and black striped kit uh, will have some element of white in it. What is your first reaction? White. Like like I've said, white is not always my favorite. I I did. It's such a limited thing. I I am going into this with a little bit of hope. Um, Sometimes I I do like white kits. Uh, Every once in a while they work out for me. Um, And apparently the, everyone else thinks white kits are clean and awesome. So I'm just the absolute minority, but yeah, um, there, I think there's potential for, for a good clean white kit, but I, it was such a small tease. Basically all we got out of it was it was white. And I think that's what we were expecting. I I think the, the rumor going around is that they were going to move away from Rose city red and, and we'd have a white kit this time around. Yeah. And basically what we got was like the crest and then, another like crest sized like splotch of white uh near it um so yeah that is that uh what we saw which is probably like three percent of the surface area of the of the the kit itself what we saw looked nice it, it was a very nice picture uh our good friend craig mitchell dyer uh who does photography for the timbers did a, a, another just bang up job uh on, on the photo <laughs> and otherwise we found out that there's gonna be white uh, on the jersey. So, yeah. Hey, okay. Uh, question from Shrek. Why in the world are the MLS playoffs so long? Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a good question. I My boyfriend the other day just turns to me and says, are the MLS playoffs still going on? Because he had completely forgotten, but like had realized there was hadn't been an MLS Cup yet. But this massive break in the middle does not help the MLS Cup playoffs for fans that aren't really invested in their team that's currently playing the casual fan or even the MLS fan whose team might not be in playoffs that that break kind of just destroyed any momentum uh, that the playoffs had I think we've talked about there are MLS is looking at ways to maybe modify uh, and shorten the the playoffs in the future I I think that would be a something they should look seriously at Um, because yeah they are they are way too long and it, it's difficult with the international break for them to do it in a different way in the format they currently have and with the length of the season. So it's a difficult issue for MLS to deal with. But I, I think by this point, fans that aren't fully invested in the teams playing, uh, there's just not a lot of excitement or momentum around them. It's been brutal this year. Here's how bad it's been. Everything we have talked about in this episode, and we've covered a lot. Like there's been a lot that's happened, Right. All of that has happened since the Timbers were knocked out of the playoffs and they were knocked out in the last round. It's not like the Timbers were knocked out four rounds ago or something like that. And we've had a bunch of games in between. There have literally been three soccer games 
played since the Timbers were knocked out of the playoffs. And that feels like absolutely a lifetime ago. Uh, so this has been, a, a, yeah, I mean, it has been bad. Uh, the reason, you know, in addition to the international break, MLS has been more sensitive this year than they have been in years past uh, about trying to find really advantageous TV windows for, for their playoffs games. And in fairness, to date, it has really paid off. The, the, the ratings for the MLS playoffs are up, I think, about 18% year over year, which is really, really impressive. Uh, and it certainly goes to MLS being aggressive, arguably for some purposes overly so, in finding advantageous TV windows. So, you know, that's that. But I totally agree with you. We talked about how the various ways that, that this can change. MLS is considering various ways this can change. And my goodness, I really hope it happens. Uh, and and frankly, I think it will. Uh, because this has been, you know, hey, look, your boyfriend's not alone. Like, I <laughs> I have had some moments where I've been like, I'm still like, is that, that's, is that still a thing? What's going on? Um, so yeah, it is still a thing. It is still going on. The crew were just knocked out by Toronto FC. TFC will host MLS Cup. Uh, they are almost certain to host Seattle Sounders. Stop me if you've seen this one before. Uh, and, and, and that's going to be how it goes. Okay. Oh, a question from our host emeritus, Kelly McLean. What sort of impact do you think hashtag Rockgate is having on Merritt Paulson? Will he be able to set aside this distraction on focus on on the task at hand, which is finding a new coach? Jamie, what do you what do you what do you think? Is Merritt going to be too distracted by Rockgate? Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think Merritt might have to resign. This is this is quite a scandal going on that the Willamette Week uh, broke this afternoon. Um, totally, absolutely, definitely news that needed to be reported. Uh, yeah, I, I think Merritt's in a, a tough situation. He's totally going to be distracted by this very important thing that's going on. If you did not read the earth shattering report, uh, it is that that Merritt apparently put some rocks in his front yard <laughs> near the road. Uh, a, a neighbor or perhaps neighbors, I don't know. Uh, were upset by this. Apparently, one of them got a lawyer, which is like you got to be pretty upset uh, to do that. <laughs> to do that, this is all just so ridiculous. Like I can't even, I can't even help but laugh. Uh, apparently, the the county uh, or some sort of governmental agency, uh, some governmental o- overlord, uh, if you will, uh, inspected it and, and decided that the rocks were in fact a violation of something, uh, and and told the the Paulson family to remove the rocks. The Paulson family has cooperated and and apparently is either removing the rocks or maybe he's getting a permit for the rocks. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Like, this is definitely like a, a sort of like stay tuned sort of thing. What if they get a permit and the rocks stay? Like, what's going to happen? Um, but yeah, so, you know, hot water. <laughs> it, this is, it is all just like so hilarious that this is that somebody out there was like, you know what? This is worth using the Internet's ink <laughs> to write about. Because it is, it is, yeah. <laughs> I I just love it. Uh, it is, it is a, a just tremendous source of entertainment and just like complete and utter pettiness uh, that provides some levity in otherwise very like heavy times. Um, so yeah, uh, anybody, if you have like you know quibbles with your neighbors, apparently tell the Willamette Week. They are like all about sort of neighbor conflict journalism right now. Uh, so Nigel Jaquist will be right on that, I'm sure. Um, okay. Uh, hey, some NWSL bits. And this has actually been really big news that has been sort of evolving over the last couple of weeks. And I think it has evolved quickly in a way that nobody a few weeks ago would have anticipated. We talked on our last show about Vlatko Andonovsky uh, taking over for Laura Harvey uh, with the Seattle Reign. Uh, the Harvey leaving the Reign at the time we thought that was going to be. Uh, to take a job with, with the U.S. Soccer Federation and, and, and likely some sort of job in, in the women's national team program. Plot twist, not only is that not happening, but there's now going to be a, an NWSL team in Salt Lake City uh, affiliated with Real Salt Lake. There will not be a team in Kansas City next year. And Laura Harvey is going to is apparently going to is is not apparently is going to be taking that job with the new Salt Lake City team which is the old Kansas City team, which is the team that Vlatko used to coach. Whoa, Jamie Goldberg unpacked this for us. Yeah, um, it, it's pretty crazy how it, it turned out. I, I think 
in terms of Salt Lake taking a team, that's been something that's been rumored for a few years now that Salt Lake had interest in creating its own NWSL team, uh, partnering with Real Salt Lake. But it wasn't expected to happen this season or, or this quickly. It, it sounds like it came together pretty fast uh, with Kansas City uh, not being able to reach an agreement with Sporting Kansas City to kind of have them uh, take over the ownership of that team. Uh, ultimately, knowing that Kansas City needs to dissolve uh, Salt Lake, was able to step in, agree to come in next season, and, and Kansas City ultimately moved there. I think with the case with Laura Harvey, the expectation was that she was leaving for U.S. soccer job. And after her decision to leave, this job came up. Uh, and so by a weird series of events, she ended up taking on this job. So very strange move uh, all around for the NWSL. But I think ultimately it, it's a good situation. Salt Lake, I believe, already has at least 2,000 season tickets sold for their new NWSL team, which doesn't even have a, a name or uh, branding yet. Uh, so they still I, have more marketing. To I believe do with it's going to be. I believe it's going to be Legal Process FC. Is 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 the last <laughs> I heard uh, about that? Is that going to be right, Jamie Goldberg? Legal <laughs> Real Salt Lake Legal Process FC. That 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 would be such a easy name to come up with cheers for. Um, yeah, I, I, um, but yeah, I, I think it is, it does sound like there is a market in Salt Lake, uh, for this women's team already. So it, it will be exciting to see what they can do with it next year. Yeah. I think pretty exciting. The, the stuff we've seen out of Salt Lake over the course of the last couple of weeks. Uh, if I were a Kansas city soccer fan, I would be not super pleased, uh, with SKC who it sounds like had every opportunity to sort of step in and take this over, uh, and decline to do so. And as a result, Kansas City lost that team to Salt Lake. Uh, huge credit to Deloitte Hanson, an owner who I have been pretty critical of uh, over the course of the last few years at various spots, uh, and and the rest of the Salt and the rest of the Rail Salt Lake family uh, for stepping up and doing this. And and it certainly appears doing it in a way uh, that that they are really sort of buying in. They are really sort of taking uh, the Timber Thorns model and and, and treating uh, whatever the the NWSL uh, side team is is going to be. Uh, basically on on equal footing with, with the MLS team. So uh, huge credit to them. I'm excited to see how this turns out. Uh, it would just be great. It would be awesome uh, if they could get to a spot where in Rio Tinto Stadium or, or wherever they end up playing, uh, they're able to, to to really put out some crowds. And, and it looks like it's moving in that direction. So uh, great job. The Legal Process FC, they were going to have, I think it was supposed to be today, their name unveiling, and they announced yesterday well, that name unveiling is in the legal process, and so hence everybody started up. It's it's going to be legal process FC jokes, uh, but you know, no, I mean, and as far as the coaching hire goes, I mean that that is that that is an absolute home run uh, for for Salt Lake. Uh, Laura Harvey is a tremendous coach, as she's shown with the with the rain over the years. Uh, she is one of the best uh, women's soccer coaches I I think in the world. Uh, and and the fact that she both came available and that they were then able uh, to get her to come to Salt Lake in, in sort of the, the matter of a couple of weeks, I think is both good luck and really, really good work uh, by uh, Real Salt Lake Legal Process FC, uh, R-S-L-L-P-F-C. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, uh, kudos to them. Uh, best of luck. Really excited to see how that pans out. Uh, I think at this point it is absolutely guaranteed to be a major hashtag upgrade over FC Kansas City, uh, a club that despite some some real success on, on the field, powered by the aforementioned Vlatko Andonovsky, uh, among uh, among other folks, uh, you know, the players, they have a role to play, I suppose. Uh, and, and, and folks like that, despite f- success on the field, you know, it, it is a franchise that never really got off the ground. And, and this very much, even just in a couple weeks in Salt Lake, looks like it is getting off the ground in a pretty exciting way. So best of luck to them. Uh, and yeah, that's exciting. Okay, uh, that's the end of the show. We're done. Uh, we are Soccer Made in Portland. That's Jamie Goldberg. I'm Chris Reifer. You can find us, I don't know, every now and then in the offseason uh, on OregonLive.com and Stumptown Footy. We will be back as news happens. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Then it downloads and does, you know, fancy stuff. You can take it on the train or whatever. Uh, and yeah, thanks you. thank you all so much for your questions uh, and for tuning in next week. Uh, enjoy uh, MLS Cup, which will be coming up in a week and a half or so. 
as well as the Western Conference, uh, the end of the Western Conference semifinal uh, tomorrow evening. Uh, enjoy all of that. Enjoy the soccer. Enjoy the off-field soccer-related news. We'll be back to talk about it all. Uh, and yeah, as always, until then, until we see you again, take care.